0: This is a Saddleback Church podcast. And I know that you have already been wished a happy Mother's Day, but I also would like to wish you a happy Mother's Day. And here at Saddleback Church, we're not just honoring biological mothers today. We are honoring every woman in the house because here's what I know. It took more than just our biological mom to raise us, did it not? It took all kinds of women investing in our lives. We needed the neighborhood mom and the carpool mom and our best friend's mom telling us that was not okay. And we needed our aunts investing in us. We needed spiritual mothers who invested in us. And so we just wanna honor every woman because God has given you a special gift a special anointing to nurture and to invest and and it cannot be overstated the significance of your influence as you shape someone's mind and shape someone's character so we thank you today we honor you in this house today let's just honor the women one more time in this house Now today we are wrapping up this message series called Created to Dream, where we've been walking through the concepts in Pastor Rick's new book, Created to Dream. And so in just a second, we are going to watch this final interview between Pastor Rick and Pastor Andy. And today the topic that we're looking at is moving from dead ends into deliverance. So right after this video, then I'll be out to bring the rest of the message.
1: Now for this last, uh, section, yeah. we're going to look at phase five and six, which you other? dead end exactly in deliverance and Del- in deliverance. Exactly. Well, let's just review again. We start with the dream, but nothing happens till you make the decision to go after the dream. You wake up and go to work. Once you go to work on the dream, you come to phase three, which is delay. And you're going to have delays that are inevitable and then you come to phase four, which is difficulty, and uh, you not only get to have delays, you have problems while you're waiting. Then those problems actually get so worse, you come to phase five, which is dead end. Now, dead end is also another word for the death of a dream. And you get to a point, you go, there's no way this is going to happen. It's just hit a dead end. And we, there's no human way that we're gonna see this dream come to pass. When you get to that phase, when you get to phase five, where your difficulties get so bad, you just go, it's impossible. What was difficult is now impossible. It's now a dead end. Congratulations. You're now getting ready to go to phase six, which is deliverance. And the, the classic example of this is the resurrection of Lazarus. Lazarus is sick. Lazarus is a personal friend of Jesus. It's only about a half day's walk from Jerusalem to Bethany, okay? I've been there. And his two best friends, three best friends, are Mary and Martha, the sisters, and Lazarus, the brother. He loves these guys. He's been at their house many times. They send note to Jesus in Jerusalem, "Uh, Lord, Lazarus is sick and we need you to come and heal him. And it takes him several days to get there. What is going on? And when that happens to you, you're praying for the answer, and it seems that the answer is late. It seems that the answer is too late because when Jesus gets there, they said, you're too late, Lord. Uh, He's already buried and dead in the ground. Why did Jesus take so long? Why the delay? Why the difficulty? Why the dead end? Because Jesus didn't wanna heal him. He wanted to resurrect him. Mm. He had a bigger miracle in mind. And when you hit the delays, difficulties, and dead ends, God has a bigger idea. Mm -hmm. God has a bigger plan. God has a better plan than your plan. That's one of the things I've learned. God's plan is always better than mine. And I would plan something for the church And God would blow it out of the water and do something even cooler. And so, the dead end to deliverance, deliverance means the resurrection of Lazarus, it means the resurrection of Jesus. And here's the point if God can raise a a dead body, He can raise a dead marriage, Mm -hmm. He can raise a dead career, He can raise a dead dream, He can raise anything that appears to be a dead end. And in the death and resurrection, in the dead end and the deliverance, a lot of times it'll look like it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't. What's the sense of all this? Now, let me just say this to anybody who's in pain or at a dead end right now. It's okay to ask the Lord why. Jesus on the cross cried out, My God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? If it's okay for the Son of God to ask why, it's okay for me to ask why, but I see so much suffering in the world. What people need in grief is the comfort of God. They need um, the presence of God. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. It doesn't say, for you have answered all my questions. For you have explained all the things. You explained all the delays. You explained all the difficulties. You explained all the dead ends. No, no, you're just with me. Mm -hmm. And it is the presence of God that has sustained me in walking with the Lord for over 60 years. And that's what I want you to do. Throw yourself on. Don't ask why, ask what, Mm -hmm. what do you want me to learn? And then throw yourself into the arms of a loving father Mm -hmm. who understands your pain. And the Bible says he grieves with you. He weeps with you, he suffers with you. When you go through the difficulty, he's grieving. Mm -hmm. You know, the thing I like about Jesus is that uh, at Lazarus, at the dead end there, he walks up the tomb. It says the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty-five. 35, Jesus wept. It's my favorite verse now. Jesus wept. He knew he was going to raise him. He still weeps. Well, on behalf of our church, thank you. Thank you for living this message. Thank you for being a dreamer <laughs> for, for a generation. Crazy dreamer. And God's used it and where so many of us are living in the fruit of your obedience to dream and to follow what God's asked you to do. So thank you. Thank you for being a dreamer. And when I passed that baton to you, that baton was filled with your dreams and Stacy's dreams and the dreams of our staff and the dreams of our lay leaders and the dreams of the next generation, the next generation, the next generation, we're all just cogs at a giant wheel. And so I'm daring every one of you to dream great dreams for God. You know the thing about dreaming? Doesn't cost a penny. Mm -hmm. Doesn't cost a penny, it's free. And so uh, just dream great dreams for God and watch what God does through you. You will be surprised.
0: Mm. Amen. So good. Well, as we are wrapping up this series on Created to Dream, I wanna start today's message by asking you a question. And the question is, what area in your life feels dead to you? Like maybe there's some situation that feels hopeless or a dream that feels really far gone. Maybe there's a relationship in your life that just doesn't feel like it's gonna make it. There's just some problem that you've been working on you can't find the solution to it and there's it feels dead it feels hopeless to you today well that I want you to hold on to that problem and as we walk through this message together today and I want us to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us about that specific dead area in our life so why don't we just start the message by asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us Holy Spirit we are holding up before you these areas of our life that feel dead and have probably brought us a lot of pain. And we just hold it before you and we wanna ask you to give us a specific word today, not a generic word for everyone, but a specific word about our situation and how you want us to see this dead end in our life. We pray this in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. The summer after my sophomore year of college, I had the awesome opportunity to go to Venezuela for two months that summer. And I got to live with some missionaries down there and get to serve alongside of them all summer long. And there was this one couple who had been in Venezuela for a long time as missionaries, over 20 years. And the husband told me that whenever there would be new missionaries that would come to Venezuela, he would always give them a little white card like this. And he would tell them to write out on this card the story of how God had called them to be a missionary and to move to Venezuela. And he, he would tell them, there are gonna be days that are really hard, and you're gonna be tempted to doubt why you came here, to think maybe you made a wrong turn, you had missed God's voice altogether, and you shouldn't have ever followed this dream. But when you have this card to look back on, you can remember that no, there, there were things that God did that confirmed this in my heart, and I know this dream is from God. Wouldn't that be awesome if all of us had a card like that that represented the dreams in our life? Like things that we could look back on and we're like, I remember that God was the origin point for this dream because inevitably we're gonna hit up against some dead ends, right? And there there are gonna be moments of such deep discouragement that we're gonna think maybe we got it wrong altogether and that we should just give up and quit. But if we knew that the origin point of this dream actually came from God, We could have faith that he was gonna bring it to completion. It would give us the perseverance we need to hold on a little bit longer. Like like I might be stuck in a dead end right now, but I know that my deliverance is on the way. Today we're gonna look at a story from the people of God, the Israelites, when they bump right up into a dead end. I have been loving these Old Testament narratives that we've been studying during this series because I I love how we can get into the story. Like it's an actual historic story with real life people and and it's their experience of how God intersected their journey and how they responded back to Him. And so today we're gonna be looking at um, way back at the beginning of the nation of Israel. This was long before it was a nation at all. It was when it was just a man and his wife. And God gave this man, Abram, a promise, a covenant. And it was a dream that had multiple parts to it. And so there were, I wanna explain what those those things were very basically this morning. And it's just the first part was that God would make Abraham into this great nation that he would have a lot of descendants. They would be as numerous as the stars in the sky, as numerous as the sand on the shore. And that was part one. The second thing was that God would give them a specific land, that it would have specific borders and boundaries to this area to call their own as a nation. And the third thing that's really significant is that God promised that it would be through this nation that all nations on earth would be blessed, which we see in the fulfillment of sending Jesus as the Messiah. So God had given Abraham this this dream, right? It was a promise that had not yet been fulfilled. And this dream got passed along from one generation to the next. The parents would tell the kids about this. Grandparents would tell the grandkids. And it was very central to what it meant to be an Israelite. Everybody knew about this dream that God had given to Abraham. But fast forward five or 600 years, this dream has still not been fulfilled. And this is taking a really long time. Abraham did not get to see the fulfillment of this dream. His kids did not get to see the fulfillment of this dream. Like, you thought your dream was taking a long time. Like, this guy, it was generations and generations. And they, they had grown into a, a large people group, so they had, their generations had multiplied, but they still did not have land to call their own. They didn't even have freedom. They were stuck being oppressed as slaves in the land of Egypt And so if you work your way through the phases of this dream that that we've been talking about over the last few weeks, God had clearly given them a dream. They believed him for it. But then there's this really long delay with all kinds of difficulties along the way. And today we're gonna look at how they literally hit up against a dead end. So we're gonna pick up the story in Exodus chapter 14. And it, it finally feels like God is on the move. Like these people had been stuck in slavery for over 400 years. And don't you know that they were tempted to give up on the dream? Don't you know that they were tempted to think God must have forgotten about them? But finally, God is starting to do things, miracles to release them from slavery. You, you might remember the story of the 12 plagues that led up to Pharaoh just getting to the point where he's like, just go, get out of here, I'm done with you. And, and so they're like, okay. And they're, they're so excited and, and something is awakening inside of them. They're like, this is our moment. Like God is making us into a great nation and he's gonna give us land to call our own. And they're marching out of Egypt with their newfound freedom and God gives them a specific instruction to go and camp by the Red Sea. I want you to see this in Exodus 14, chapter, or verse one. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Pi-Hahiroth between Migdal and the sea. They are to encamp by the sea directly opposite Baal-Zephon. Now, the reason that I wanted you to read that verse is because I wanted you to see that they are camped there in that specific location in direct obedience to God's instructions. They're there by the Red Sea, but basically God had led them directly into a dead end. Like they're cornered. They've got this impassable sea in front of them. And then coming up from the rear is Pharaoh's army. Because no sooner had Pharaoh told them to get out of his presence than he's like, oh my gosh, what have I done? There goes my entire workforce, go get them back. And so he sends his whole army after them to pursue them. And, and so the Israelites, they, they, they hear Pharaoh's army coming and they, they have nowhere to go. They can't go forward, they can't go backwards. They are stuck. And so I think that the first very, clear thing that we can pull out of this passage is that just because you're at a dead end, it doesn't mean that you took a wrong turn. A dead end does not necessarily mean that you took a wrong turn. You could have taken a wrong turn and it could have ended up that you were there because you made a bad choice in your marriage or you made a bad choice with your money or or you're paying stupid tax on some area of your life because we have all done that. So that could be the reason why you're at a dead end. But it could also be that God has led you to that place, that specific place, because he is about to do something so great. And that's exactly why the Israelites are in this spot. Now I want us to recognize or or to note how the Israelites respond to this dead end that God brings them to. And I want you to see in their response if you might see some remnants of your own response to a dead end. In verse 10, it says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. Now, before we go any further, let's really put ourselves in this story, okay? Just imagine the scene. There are so many people on the, on the shores of the Red Sea. They're standing there and they are stuck. And here comes Pharaoh's army and they can see the dust being churned up. They can hear the horses and the chariots are coming. And how would you feel if you were one of those Israelites standing there? Well, it says in the passage that they were terrified as I'm sure all of us would have been. And they cried out to the Lord. which is is a great response. Man, when we hit up against these moments of fear and and that we're terrified, the best thing we could do in that moment is to cry out to the Lord. But then look how they turn. They like get real spicy real quick because they say to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we just say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Like 30 minutes ago, they had Moses on their shoulders carrying him around like he was the champion. Like you freed us from slavery. And then now they're like turning on their boy. So they cry out to the Lord, but then they, they really turn on Moses because they're like, I don't know if it's God's fault or your fault that we're about to die, but you're the one that's right in front of us and we need to blame somebody, right? Like don't we all do that? Like when something goes wrong, we are looking for someone to be able to take the fall and Moses was their guy. But isn't it interesting how completely hopeless and fatalistic they are? Like they see no other option besides we're going to die. Like, that is what is going to happen. And when we bump up against these dead ends in our life, it is very easy for us to get into this fear driven mindset. But that is not the only option available to us. I want us to look at the difference in how Moses responds to the exact same situation. In verse 13, Moses answers the people and he says, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see them again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. I wonder how many of you would benefit from memorizing that verse. The Lord will fight for you. It's not gonna be your great strategy that gets you out of this dead end. It's not gonna be your own strength or your own leadership skills. It's gonna be because the Lord fought for you and he wants you to stand still. You see, Moses saw this situation with so much faith and hope and expectancy. And it's important to note that Moses responds this way before God had ever given them a solution. Like Moses did not grow up watching that movie, The Prince of Egypt. Can we agree on that? Like, God had never parted the Red Sea before. Like Moses had no category for the fact that God was able to do that. But here's what he knew. He knew that God had not brought them this far to abandon them in the desert. God had given them this dream that they were gonna be a great nation and that they were gonna have a land to call their own. So they were not all going to die out here in the desert. Moses did not yet know the solution, but he knew the problem solver. He knew the one that held all the solutions before time ever began, and Moses had his eyes fixed on him. He was living with a filter of faith. And that's the next principle, that a a dead end requires us to fix our filter, that we can choose to live life with a filter of fear or a filter of faith. I have a friend that says to her daughter, fix your face. Every mama in the room knows what that means. She'd be like, girl, do not come up in here with your half-open eyes and your pursed lips looking like somebody just fed you a lemon. Girl, fix your face. You know what that look is. We all know that look. And just as much as it is a choice to fix your face, it is a choice to fix your filter. Did you know that your house comes with these things? It took Andy and I a while to figure that out. And um, when we moved into this house, uh, we realized that one of, our fil- one of our air vents did not even have a filter on it. <laughs> it was like, oh, that's a problem. We should probably fix that. You're supposed to change them every once in a while as well. That's just a little public service announcement for you. Um, but some of us have chosen to live life with a filter of fear. And, and somehow we are walking around and fear, you know what fear says? Fear says, my circumstances are hopeless. It's never going to change. And, and my marriage, is just always going to be this horrible. It's a dead place in my life. I just got this medical diagnosis and there's no hope for me. There's no other options. It just is what it is. That's what fear says. And fear, fear captures our mind and it affects the way we pray and it cripples our faith. And some of us have installed a filter of fear right on all the air vents in our home. And it is just pumping out fear into our household. And everything that comes at us is filtered through fear. And everything that comes out of us is filtered through fear. But we can choose to fix our filter. We can choose to pick up a filter of faith instead. And faith looks at life differently right? Faith says, God, I don't understand what's going on here, but I trust you. And I know that you are in control. Faith says, nothing can separate me from the love of God. I am more than a conqueror. Faith says, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. Faith says that many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver him from them all. Faith says that I know that these light and momentary troubles that I am stuck in right now are achieving for me an eternal glory that will far outweigh them all. So I can have faith that even in this moment that he is with me and his power is made strength in my weakness. His grace is sufficient for me so I can say with Job that though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Faith says that my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. So my back may be up against the Red Sea right now, but I serve a God who can turn seas into highways. That is what faith says. You guys, fear is contagious, but so is faith. Did you feel faith rise in the room as I declared that out loud over us? There's a power in what we say over our situations. The Bible says in Proverbs 18 that the tongue holds the power of life and death. And so what you say about your situation, whether you speak words of fear or whether you speak words of faith, it is affecting your situation. We need to fix our filter. You know, most of us probably know the end of this story. It's a pretty common story, even outside the walls of church, that God miraculously drove back the waters, the Israelites made it through on dry grounds. And once they got to the other side and the Egyptians were chasing them, the waters came back onto the Egyptians and they drowned. It's this miraculous story of how God made a way where there literally was no way forward. I want you to see it in the Bible in verse 29. It says the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and a wall of water on their left. Can you imagine what that would have felt like? Like here you are walking on this dry ground where there used to be water. Yesterday there was water here, today there's not, but there's water right here and there's water right here. And I am literally walking in a miracle. God made a way. That day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. That Israel and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. This dead end was a doorway for God's deliverance. And that is true for our lives too. When you are in a dead end situation, it might very well be God's doorway for a deliverance in your life. It might be a divine setup so that God can put his glory on display, that he can perform a miracle in your life. You know, we all talk about how we would love to see God's miracle, but none of us want to be in a situation where we need God's miracle, right? But friend, if that's where you are today, if you're in need of a miracle, if there's no path forward for you besides God coming through, I hope that this story is building up some courage inside of you, that if he did it then, he can do it again. Your situation is not without hope. He can make a way where there is no way. He is the way maker. So don't lose lose heart in this dead-end situation that you are in because he is the great deliverer. Now, I want to check in with you on something I mentioned at the beginning of the service. Are you guys still holding on to that dead place in your life that we talked about? Because if you accidentally let it go, I need you to go back and get it right now. We're going to need it for this final section of the message because we're going to talk about some worldview shifts and some things that aren't very popular maybe in modern culture. But what I'm hoping is that it will shine a fresh perspective on this dead end that you have in your life, this this unsolvable problem that you're facing. And the principle is that God's deliverance is always for God's greater glory. His deliverance is always for his own great glory. There's a theme that's really clear in this chapter that we're gonna look at in Exodus 14, and it's found all throughout scripture that ultimately everything God does is about his own greater glory, which at first glance feels very narcissistic, right? Like, like if everything I did was for my own great glory, that would be a problem. Like that's just, that's not okay, that's narcissistic. And so you think like what is this, God? Is this like a power flex or we need to stroke your ego? This is actually revealing something about the nature of God. It's an act of compassion for us. I want you to look at this this quote by John Piper. It says, God's passion for his glory is the essence of his love for us. Because see, God knows that when we keep him at the center, that that is the most loving thing that he can do for us because that is where we are most satisfied. That is where we are most full of peace. We, we as humans, we tend to drift, right? We, we have disordered affections. And so we put other things at the center of our lives. We put our kids at the center of our life. We put our careers at the center of our life, some other relationship, but it never works out well for us, does it? But when God's glory is lifted high and when he is at the center, it's like everything else begins to fall into alignment and God knows that about us. And so his glory is his ultimate aim. This is actually an act of compassion from God because I know that if I am pursuing his glory, if I am putting God at the center of my life, that he's working all kinds of things out on my behalf. Things that I don't even have foresight to understand, God is accomplishing before I even get there because my chief aim in life is to glorify him and to keep him at the center. And so that is certainly what is happening here when God leads them to the dead end. Why did God lead the Israelites to the dead end? Well, it was ultimately for his glory. I want us to look at three verses real quick in this chapter, back to back. It says, God says in verse four, I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will pursue them, but I will gain glory for myself. Underline that phrase, I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army and the Egyptians will know that I'm the Lord. So God is lifted high. His glory is manifest in the earth. And then people realize, oh, he's the true God. He's God Almighty. That's the result of when his glory is lifted up is that we know him in a better way. In verse 17, it says, I will gain glory through Pharaoh, underline that phrase again, and all of his army through his chariots and his horsemen. And look again, the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. So why does God glorify himself? So that everyone on earth will know who the true God is, that we can have relationship with him, that we can put him at the center of our life where life works best. One other final example from a different perspective, this one's from the Israelite perspective instead of the Egyptian. It says in verse 31, when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed, when the Israelites saw the glory of God against the Egyptians, what happened? The people feared the Lord and put their trust in him. So God displays his glory so that we could know him so that he would be lifted high in all the earth. When we get to the dead ends of ourselves, and God suddenly makes a way, when we have one of those only God kind of moments, he's the one that gets the credit. He's the one that gets all the praise in our lives. You know, Pastor Rick had referenced that story of Lazarus in the Bible, when when Lazarus dies and Jesus doesn't show up and, and it's so confusing. Like Jesus, why didn't you show up? He's your friend and and you, you were able and we don't understand. We were at a dead end and we needed you to come through for us and you didn't and now we are crushed and some of you feel like that today but look at this verse that Jesus says and it reveals the why in this situation. It says, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So God did, Jesus didn't want to just heal Lazarus. He wanted to resurrect him. It was because of greater glory that Jesus had in mind. And Lazarus and the sisters, there's no way they could have understood that. And just like we're, we're hoping for deliverance in one way, we have our expectations set on what that type of deliverance should look like from our dead end, but maybe God has a greater glory altogether that it would be impossible for us to understand. So I'm not here today to try to convince you that if you just will wait long enough and believe hard enough and pray sincerely enough that everything's gonna work out for you the way that you want it to work out. That's not the promise. The promise is that our God is a great deliverer and he is more than able and he loves you, he is with you and he has his greater glory in mind. Something that's gonna be beneficial for your life and glorifying to him. You know, we don't have to always understand the ways of God. The Bible says that his thoughts are not our thoughts, his ways are not our ways. We don't always serve, we don't serve a God that we can always understand, but we do serve a God that we can always trust. That's such a significant truth for us to latch onto today that we don't serve a God that we can always understand, but we do serve a God that we can always trust. And it is not a requirement for you to understand completely, for you to be able to trust Him fully. He is worthy of our trust. He has a proven track record, that he is able to deliver us from our greatest peril. You know, God's greatest dream for our life is that we would know him. It's connected to that thing with glory that he's glorified and we would know him. And so every other dream that you have in your life, every goal, every ambition, every, every time you've ever set a goal and you're like, I'm setting my mind to achieve that, every goal or dream that you have in your life is in a subcategory of God's greater dream that he has for your life, which is that he, you would get to know him at a deeper level. And guys, we can get to know God no matter where we are in the phases of our dream. There are ways that we can get to know God when we are being delayed. There are things that God wants to teach us going through difficulties. There are things that God can teach us when we bump up against the dead end. Ways that, insights that we will gain. I would go so far as to say that there are things about God that you could not know unless you go through all of these different phases. And so your goal is not unimportant to God, but there is a bigger goal at stake that you would know him. And I I know what it feels like to bump up against a dead end and for things to not go the way that you were hoping they would go. A few years ago, Andy and I were going through um, a really challenging time personally. And I I don't wanna get into all the details of it because it's so personal, but I'll just say that it was deeply affecting everyone in our family. And it was really painful. And it felt like such a dead end. And we had tried every solution we could think of. We had looked at all the options and they all felt bad. And I just remember morning after morning being in my bedroom, in my chair, where I would have my time alone with God. And my heart would be so heavy. And I would get out of that chair and I would lay face down on the ground and my tears would soak the carpet and I would just cry out to God and I would say, God, there's nothing else I can do here. We are at a dead end and we need your breakthrough. And guys, let me tell you that there is an intimacy that you experience with God in a moment like that. When, there's, when you have exhausted all of your options and he is your only hope You get to know the love and the comfort and the presence of God that is with you in that moment as you cling on to hope and you beat on his chest and you seek his face. So wherever you are in this dream cycle today, know that the chief goal is not the deliverance that you're hoping for, that you're expecting, that you're praying for. The chief goal is that you would know God right there. You know, this, this whole journey of dead ends to deliverance, this is the story of the whole gospel, that we get to the dead end of ourself and we realize that, that there's nothing we can do in and of ourselves to live the kind of life that God wants us to live. We can't save ourselves, no matter how good we are, no matter how much good we do, we could never be good enough to earn the favor of a holy God. And when we get into the dead end of ourselves and we're willing to humbly acknowledge that, and you are on the brink of the greatest deliverance because God is the greatest problem solver. And we have this problem of sin And he came in with the solution and it's the most miraculous kind of deliverance. The most miraculous kind of deliverance is not that God would help you publish that book or that God would give you the medical diagnosis that you're hoping for or that God would help you launch that business. Those things are great when they happen, but the greatest form of deliverance that is available to all mankind is that God could take a broken, sinful human soul that is all of us, and he could give us new life in Christ, that he, that he made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf, so that we could become the righteousness of God. It's the great exchange. It's His righteousness for our sin and our sin for His righteousness. It's through the death of Jesus on the cross and the resurrection from the dead that we go from dead ends to deliverance. It's resurrection resurrection power in your own body. There's no greater deliverance. You were dead in your transgressions and then the Holy Spirit swooped in and made you alive in Christ. So whatever kind of deliverance you're seeking today, there is no greater deliverance than to come into this place dead in your transgressions and walk out alive in Jesus Christ with the hope of all of eternity. So friends, there are people that are listening to this message right now and you've never experienced that most miraculous kind of deliverance. But the good news is it is here today And Jesus is standing here ready and waiting and available to change your life. And all you have to do is open your heart to him. And so today I just wanna ask you a very pointed question as we conclude this service together. And my question to you is, would you open your heart to Jesus today? Would you receive the forgiveness that he is offering to you that there is a whole new kind of deliverance that he can provide for your life, a deliverance from shame that you drag around with you, deliverance from anxiety, deliverance from addiction, deliverance from all the brokenness that we have in our lives. Most importantly, deliverance from sin, that we can experience the forgiveness of God. Would you open your heart to Jesus today to receive him as your savior? I want us to pray together. And so if you will bow your head and if God is doing that work in your heart, you know it right now, you can feel him stirring that up inside of you. And I just, I'm gonna say a prayer. I want you to pray it in the quietness of your own heart to say, God, I need you. I'm at the dead end of myself. I acknowledge that I can never be good enough or do enough good to save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to forgive my sins. I surrender my life to your control. Thank you for saving me and giving me new life in you. Now with all of our heads still bowed, I just wanna ask if, if God was doing that in your heart, if you just made that decision to welcome Jesus into your life, I'd love to invite you to acknowledge it. And so in just a second, With every head still bowed, I'm gonna ask you when I count to three just to raise your hand. And the reason for this is just a simple acknowledgement so that I can bear witness with you, so that your campus pastor can bear witness with you. we are here to celebrate with you and to, to just honor this sacred moment of what God is doing in your life. So if you made that decision right now, on the count of three, would you raise your hand so that I can bear witness to what God just did in your life? One, two, three, raise your hand. I see you, I see you. We celebrate you at every campus. Let's celebrate together, new life in Jesus. New life in Jesus. There is no greater deliverance, no matter what goal you were pursuing, there you just accomplished the best one, amazing. Today we're gonna stand together as we conclude our service and I wanna say a prayer of blessing over you. And I believe that there are things that God is working out in our hearts right now. There is a, there's deliverance that he wants us to believe him for in this moment, that you've hit up against some dead places in your life. And God is saying, I wanna give you eyes of faith, a filter of faith to see your life with. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would minister to every heart in the room. We hold up these dead places in our life before you and we ask you to breathe life into them. We ask you to put flesh back on these dry bones. We ask you to give us eyes of faith to see an even greater glory, a greater kind of deliverance than we could have ever expected. Lord, I wanna pray specifically for every mother in the room that feels so discouraged right now because things aren't going the way that she was hoping they would go with her kids. God, would you give her eyes of faith to know that you are able. Lord, I pray for every student who feels lost and wandering in their journey right now. God, would you give them guidance? Would you give them eyes to see how great you are and how the very best thing they could do with their life is to put you at the center. Lord, I pray for every middle-aged man in this room who maybe, maybe is feeling like they built their life and they're not too happy with the way life is going. And maybe there's even that, that struggle inside of them, that temptation to just wanna walk away from it all. God, would you speak faith into that man in this moment right now? Give him eyes to see the goodness of you all around him, that you are doing a good work in his heart right now. There's greater glory at stake in all of our dead situations. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, give us faith to believe you for even greater glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this weekend message from Saddleback Church. If you like this, please consider leaving a rating or review for this podcast. The Saddleback Church Weekend Message Podcast is a part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Visit saddleback.com slash podcasts or search for Saddleback Church in your favorite podcasting app To see more great podcasts from Saddleback. For more weekend message resources, visit saddleback.com slash message resources.